0: So, rumor has it, I was sitting at Muggumbean the whole of Tuesday with pencils, pens, crayons, highlighters on my table, and people thought I was coloring in, making drawings of the Union buildings in Pretoria. But I wasn't drawing coloring in, I was making notes of my message today, trying to get it into my head. But I'll tell you another rumor. True or not, I'll tell you. Rumor has it that I enjoy setting up people on a blind date or a coffee or something like that. Yeah, so you're waving your hand there. OK, so it's worked for one or two of you, and I've, uh, I've got into trouble for a couple of others. But OK, true or false, yes, it's true. I think it reminds me of my dating days, when I, when I dated Michelle and my, my dating days at church. I think that's why I enjoy it. So let me tell you quickly about that. Um, my but and I, we used to enjoy spending time with Michelle and her sister, not Janine. She's got another sister. And so we used to take these two girls out for coffee, and we had lack of fun times. But there's a problem, because there was another pair of sisters uh, at church. It was a redhead and a blonde. And, and, and so there was a bit of a dilemma going on, and so, I, 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 you know, I, I think I was a bit of a dog, maybe I was a wolf at some stage or another, because I, I went to Michelle and I said to her, you know we're just friends, right, we, we're just friends, and, and, and she said, of course, of course we're just friends, so I got myself out of that, only to find out that she went home that night and bawled her brains out to her mom, it's nice to have you here, mom, and, and so she... <laughs> Yeah, and so then my boots and I started hitting her off with the reddit and the blonde, and uh, we had a good time with them, but it didn't work, and I so wished that I could just have one more opportunity to take Michelle out on a date, just one more chance, but not only had I hurt her and broken her heart, now I've hurt her blonde friend's heart, and so she's mad with me for two reasons, and so uh, finally one Sunday night it came, I saw her walk towards me after church, my heart started racing. Bit of truth about that. So I started thinking, what am I going to say? And she walked up to me and uh, she said, You know, I need a, a date for a work function next Saturday. Are you able to come? Obviously, it was a last resort, you know. She's got no one else, so she'll ask me. My goodness. But I took it. But I didn't want to act too excited. So I shouted to my boots across. I said, Hey, bud, what are we doing on Saturday night? Just to act a bit calm, but cool. But here's my chance. That Saturday came. I didn't ride myself broken on my bicycle that morning. I shaved, although that didn't impress her because she likes beards. And, And I washed my car. I tell you, that red little jet of mine never looked so clean. And that Saturday night at that work function, I made a move. Fox made a move that night and she knew it. And that, and, that, and that was where that's where it started happening again. And I'll share that very silly story, Richie. You know why I share that story today? Is, is because the title of this morning's message is "Make a Move." The title of this morning's message today is "Make a Move." It's not Dating Sunday. And I'm looking at one or two of you sitting here who are single, and my mind's racing as to who I could possibly set you up with. But. Uh, Whatever blows your hair back, maybe you've got courage to buy a cappuccino after service for somebody today. Do that, but it's not dating Sunday. I I think at some stage or another, every single one of us gets stuck. At some stage or another, we get stuck in our relationship with God. We get stuck in our relationships with people. We get stuck in a season of our lives. We get stuck in different situations. And I want to say today, you can carry on making excuses, you can carry on blaming your circumstances, or you can blame somebody else. Or today, I want to say to you, today, you can make a move. Maybe you feel like you're stagnant, maybe you feel stuck, maybe you think your life is slipping and sliding. I want to say to you today, make a move. Why? Because it's in your very DNA. Right from the beginning of Scripture, friends, we go back to Genesis. Abraham, God says to Abraham, go to the country I am giving to you. Leave your father's house. Move. He says to Moses, you've been on that top of that mountain far too long. Move into the Amorite country. Joshua, he says, Joshua, I'll give you every place that you place your foot on. Move. Caleb, he's 85, sir. I want to say to you, it doesn't matter how old you are. Caleb says, I want to move. Give me my country. And then Jesus comes. Jesus comes to this earth. And he says that the glory of the latter will be greater than the former. He says, I will lead you in triumph. Jesus says to you today, I will lead you from glory to glory. Freedom Church, the gospel, the gospel is all about moving forward. Won't you allow the gospel today? Not me. Won't you allow the gospel to grip your heart today? As you sit here, yes, in a stuffy hall. Won't you allow the gospel to grip your heart as we read it together. Normally you bring your own Bible to church, good, you're going to need it just now, but today I want us to do something different. I was going to ask us to stand and read three verses together from the gospel, from the book of Hebrews. Can we do that? I know you're up and down, can we stand together? Let's give the Bible its rightful place today, friends. We're going to read three verses out loud, fire tag, you on the money biscuits, you got it there, here we go. Let's read them together. Can you read it? And I know some of you can't stand because of injury, because of illness. Let's read it together. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his great reward. Just stay standing quickly. Lord Jesus, I pray that through your Holy Spirit today, you would, you would call us to move. Lead us, Holy Spirit, we pray. Let people sitting here today experience the power of the gospel, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. And as you take your seat, just say to somebody, make a move. Make a move. Make a move, Mr. Mitchell, make a move. Josie, Charlotte, no, make a move. Nice to have you guys here. McPhail, make a move, bud. Let's get a bit of a history over Moses' life. He's growing up in a specific time in the land. And so we look at Hebrews 11. It gives us a Twitter version, a bit of a snapshot of what's happening in Genesis and Exodus. Friends, we've said this many times. Everything lines up in the Bible. Everything lines up in the Bible. And so what's happened here? Moses is born in a time that's not ideal. Gert and Christy, they've had their little one, and they're celebrating. They're excited about bringing up their little one in Faramir, Benoni. But for Moses' folks, it's not the case. Because they foreigners. They were Hebrews. And Pharaoh declared that every firstborn son must be killed. And so instead of his parents moaning and complaining and being negative, why now, why are we here in this situation? You know what they did? They could have blamed their situation or their circumstances. They made a move. They made a move. The Bible says they made a move by faith. They put their little boy in a basket, and they put the basket in the reeds, and they trusted God for the future of of their son. And in God coincidence, in a miraculous way, Pharaoh's daughter walks past the reeds. She hears this little baby, and she takes Moses into the very palace of Pharaoh. So something that was planned to be the downfall of humanity became the saving of humanity. And this story starts now with, Pharaoh, with Moses in Pharaoh's palace. And, and he's enjoying the power. He's enjoying the pleasures. He's enjoying the prestige of living in Egypt in the palace. This is happening all around him. This is where we find the text. But now he's stuck. He's stuck between the power and the pleasure and the prestige of Egypt. And he's stuck between the future of God's people. Can you, can you imagine this? What, what it would be like if, if, if you were Moses? And in these three verses that we've just read, he does three things. And I I trust today that if you and I do these three things, and we implement them and plant them in our lives, we will never be the same again. Are you ready for them? Are you ready to hear these three? Give me a wave there, bud. You ready for these three moves here? Here we go. It says, by faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Number one, Moses made a move to refuse. He made a move to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Can I ask you today, what label has been put upon your life? What's been spoken upon you? At your second marriage, it'll it'll never work. I met a lady today. She's uh, this week on Tuesday at the Woolies. She's 76. She doesn't look a day older than 60. And we were sitting. She blessed me with a mixed berry smoothie. She says to me, you know, I've been labeled my whole life with the middle child Syndrome, what labels being put upon you? So, what what labels being put upon you? That's been spoken by your boss to your colleagues behind your back that you will never make it, you'll never be on the A team in your work organization. What labels being put upon you? Say so to the woman here today, to, to the wives here, what labels being put upon you? What has your husband say? oh she's a useless wife, young person. Maybe you've done something in in the way you've grown up, your upbringing. You've done something. Maybe you've come from a family. What, What label's been put upon you for your future? I want to say to you today, make a move. Just like Moses did. Make a move to refuse to accept that label that's been put upon you. You see, in this story about Moses, we realize he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to identify with his illegitimate identity. And his faith demanded him to make a choice to refuse. What does refuse mean? I looked it up. It means a violent throwing off or a violent rejection of. Maybe you're not with me yet. Let me just help you here. Thursday night, my daughter, our daughter, she's my princess. She's gripped my heart, and I'm soft towards her. And she gets this 24-hour stomach bug, and she's lying on the bathroom floor, clinging to a toilet because something inside of her, her body was rejecting it and it had to come off. And it was messy, it was sweaty, and I'm trying to encourage you, but I don't want to get too sick. That's, that, 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 that's throwing off something that's not meant to be in her body. Freedom Church, look at me. I want to, say, to the, uh, say this to you. Do not tolerate. Do not tolerate what God has called you to exterminate. Do not tolerate what God has called you. To exterminate. Psalm 1 says, it says, refuse to walk in step with the wicked. It says, refuse to sit in the company of mockers. I want to say to you today, stop sitting down when you were made to move. It's been in your planted in your DNA. Stop sitting down when God has called you to move. And, and friends, get this. That doesn't mean that you resign tomorrow. That doesn't mean that you emigrate and start applying. Move when God calls you to move. Step in faith when you know that God has called you to move. That's very important to understand, friends. Move only when God has called you to move. A pastor friend told me about a story. He asked someone at church, how's it going? "Nah, not too good. eh?" Why not? Well, I filled in a card at the info desk, and somebody was supposed to call me. No one's called me. Now, for sure, someone should have called that person. I get it. But you know what, friends? You will die waiting for somebody else to make a move. Don't allow somebody else to hijack your future, man. Have you ever heard someone say this? I think I have said it myself. Oh, he ruined my day. When he said that, then my whole day was ruined. And because that happened, my whole day was ruined. Why have you given somebody so much power to to ruin your whole day? refuse to sit in that moment. Make a move. Make a move. People say to me, Daryl, I've heard you preach once or twice at Freedom. You preach with so much passion, but what about reason? What about intellect? Because I'm a person, they say I'm a person of reason, I'm a person of intellect. I get that. And I respect that greatly in you, sir. In you, ma'am. But you know what? By reason or intellect, Moses would never have left the palace. It says by faith. He left the palace. And even bigger, by intellect and and reason, Jesus would never have gone to the cross. He went by faith. He went by faith. I want us to get this this morning, friends. There's another story in the Bible that we're going to touch on, and I hope it's going to help us to get this point this morning. We're going to read about it later in John 5, but it's a story about a lame man at the pool of Bethesda. And this guy's been lying there. You know how long? 38 years he's been lying next to this pool. He's lame. He can't move. Day after day, year after year, waiting to get healed. And there's a myth, there's a story that an angel would come and stir the water once a day in this pool. And that the very first person that jumped into the pool that day would get healed. Can you imagine this? It says a large crowd. It says a lot of people were around this pool every single day watching the water. It would be like a feeding frenzy. You ever seen that at the, the Lost Corp Dam? You know when those fish just go crazy? And when that water stood, everyone would jump over, trip over, over each other, trying to get in to experience healing. 38 years, this guy's been lying there day after day. Maybe you've been in church for a long time. Maybe you've come to Freedom Church. Maybe you've, you've been part of or you've experienced a place, an environment of faith, but you can be near that place of breakthrough and never experience healing. You've got to make a move. You've got to move, friends. I want to challenge you today. So I want to challenge you, man. Make a move. Make a move today. That's number one. Make a move to refuse. Number two, make a move to choose. It says, by faith, Moses chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God. He chose that rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So it's not just about refusing, it's about choosing something new. And don't just sit there this morning and say, yeah, good point, Daryl, amen to that. When you make a choice to choose, there's faith. Faith is a doing active word. There's movement. Faith has got feet to it. When, when you make a move to choose. Friends, faith is an active word. I want to say it's more important to what you're saying yes to than what you're going to say no to. It's more important to what you're saying yes to than what you're going to say no to. Because religion's going to say no. But having faith in Jesus is saying yes to a superior pleasure. It says by faith Moses chose to share in the oppression of God's people. Another translation says he chose to be miss. Treated with them. And this isn't light, fluffy preaching today in this school hall, friends. When we read this text, it's showing us that Moses is not looking for an easy way out. Maybe your boss is saying to you, if you cut corners here, if if you do things slightly differently here, then you can be on the A-team. Maybe your colleagues are saying to you, do that. Say this. Act that way because you'll score yourself points, Daryl. I say to you, make a move. Make a move. Sometimes making a move means to step down, but it's still movement. It's still movement, friends. In faith, Moses chose to be mistreated instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Maybe you're stuck in a relationship. And you've been forced to compromise your identity or your integrity. And you're and you stuck there, you're so stuck there because you're scared of being lonely. Another week, another weekend. Oh, Fox, I was so lonely, but I found this guy. Sure, he's not great, but at least I've got someone that I can be with. Maybe there's even a bit of abuse going on here. But I'm stuck. I want to say to you, man, make a move. Make a move today. Don't allow another day to slip by. Make a move. And sometimes faith looks like stepping away from something that looks good and and it feels good, but faith sometimes means stepping away from that. Why? Because God has got something better. Something better. Make a move, and it may be costly for you, but so much more costly if you don't make that move. What do I mean by that? You can be driving along the N12 highway from Joburg, and you've got to get to the lakeside mall. And so you look at Atlas Road coming up past wild waters and you think, okay, I'll take that off ramp. I'll take Atlas. And you sort of miss it. It doesn't matter. I'll take Tom Jones off ramp. And then you get to Tom Jones and you think, "Ah, I don't know if I should take it. Maybe it's still closed because they're fixing the damn wall. And so you miss that. And then you get to Snake Road and think, okay, I better take Snake Road. But somehow you just don't take it and you end up at Springs (laughs) Gate. Friends, there might not be another off ramp for you to take. I sat with a man, he went through something in his life, he said to me, you know, Daryl, God gave me off-ramp after off-ramp after off-ramp, and I never took it. I never took those off-ramps. Friends, there might not be another off-ramp. And maybe today, as I'm speaking and as I'm sharing the power of the gospel to you, maybe Jesus Christ is, is, is edging you on, make a move. Maybe you're in a situation and it's not of God, and you know it. No one's told you, but you know deep down inside. Make a move. I want to challenge you today, because there might not be another off-ramp lying ahead. Take it today. I beg you. Take that off-ramp today. I love the story of this lame man at the Pool of Baptista that we read about in John 5. We've got a few verses there. I'm going to read them quickly to you, and then I'll carry on paraphrasing the story in my own words. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there's in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which is in Aramaic called the Pool of Beths- Bethse- Bethsaida. Something like that. Stand a grade for me. There we go. Which is surrounded by five co- covered colonnades. Here, here we go. It says, a great number of, pe- of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. I'm going to share the next couple of verses in my own way, from my own story. But this man's been lying there 38 years. And and Jesus walks into a story now that's been going on for 38 years. He doesn't come in and sit down and, and, and bend over and stroke this man's hair and give him a cup of water and say to this man, shame, my son, it's been a rough 38 years, hasn't it? Jesus doesn't do that. I love Jesus. Jesus walks in. He looks at the man he says, do you want to get well? And I don't know what tone of voice Jesus used for that morning. I don't know if it was a soft, gentle, do you, go, do you want to get well? I don't know if there was a lot of, compa- but it was this, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? He's looking at this man, and he says, do you want to get well? And the first thing that this lame man says is excuse after excuse after excuse. This lame man says, I can't, because every time the water stirs, people trip over me. People beat me to it. I can't get well. And you you may be sitting in this school hall today and excuses are jumping up inside of you. And you're saying, Daryl, do not judge me because you do not know my circumstances. I want to say to you, sir, you are not a victim of your circumstances. The Bible says you and I are prisoners of hope. We're prisoners of hope. And today, as we sit in a stuffy school hall, Jesus is looking into every soul here. And he's whispering into every heart sitting in this hall today. He's whispering, do you want to get well? Do you want to be free? He's whispering that into our hearts today. And today is the day to say yes. But today is not just an affirmative yes. Today is an action. Today is making a move. Today is saying, I refuse. Today is saying, I'm going to make a move to choose. And there's one more point today. We're going to get back to Moses' life to get the third point of this. The Bible says that Moses thought it was better to suffer for the sake of God's calling than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. He was looking ahead. That's number three, friends. Make a move to look ahead. If we're going to make a move to look ahead, we can't be overwhelmed by the right now. We can't be overwhelmed by the right now as we start January 2019. And for us, Sunday, fun day today is a pause moment for me. It's a pause moment for you, fella. Don't be overwhelmed because of the right now. Right now. By faith. Moses saw the pleasures and the power and the prestige of Egypt And then he had a look at the future of God's people, and everything inside of him would have said, let's choose that. He would have weighed up the pros and the cons, and he said, let's rather choose that. But by faith, he made a a, a move to look ahead, because he had a glimpse of Jesus. He had a glimpse of his future. He saw Jesus in that moment. And I want to remind my soul, Nico, I want to remind your soul today, sir, that Christ is our power, but he's also our pleasure. Christ is the rewarder, but he's also my very great reward. Christ is the one who sets free, but he's also my freedom, Mike. And my question is, is where are you looking for your joy? Where are you looking for your peace? Where are you looking for your happiness? Because we're looking for that in, in people. We're looking for our joy and happiness in our work situations. In John 5, everyone is looking at the pool for healing. Everyone is fixing their eyes on the water and the healer, the one who is freedom and brings freedom, walks in. They're not looking at him. They're fixing their eyes on the wrong things. Friends, don't fix your eyes on relationships for happiness. And some people even put their eyes on the church. Well, if I come to church, then then I must fix my eyes on church for healing and for freedom. Friends, the church is, and Freedom Church will never be, the perfect church. Only Jesus Is our healer. Only Jesus is the one we need to look to. And Jesus walks up to this one guy, full of sick people. And this man comes with excuse after excuse. Jesus says to him, do you want to get well? He says, I can't. The very next thing Jesus says to this man is, he says, get up. Again, I don't know what tone of voice he uses. He says, get up. Get up. In my Benoni standard grade language, it's something like this. Make a move, buddy. Come on, buddy. Get up get up, don't go back to the norm, he says, how do we know he says that, because then he says, pick up your mat, why does Jesus say, pick up your mat, what does the mat represent in your life, George, because this man, he sees healing in the pool, but he's on his mat, it's comfortable, I'm safe on my mat, Jesus says, get rid of the temptation to be in your safe place, The old has gone. The new has come. Get up and pick up your mat. Don't be tempted to go back to that temptation of the safe place. And then Jesus says, and walk. My goodness. He he doesn't say to this man... You know, go to a biokineticist or go to some... Re- he says, and walk. This theology blows my mind away. This man hasn't walked for 38 years. He could have said, you know, Jesus, you know, thanks for the gesture, but, you know, I, I'm going to have to go through some... He says, get up. And he says, walk. Nike. Just do it, friends. And, and many of us are, are, are saying to ourselves this morning, if I speak up in that meeting and, and I say my mind because I don't agree, what will happen? If I tell my husband what's going on, what will happen? Don't overthink things, friends. Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. You don't need another teaching. That is perfect theology for you, straight from the mouth of our King Jesus. It's an incredible understanding for me, friends. And as we close this morning, I want want, want to go back to Moses. Because Moses made the move... He made the move, Mason, just help Mason there if you don't mind. Just take a little Mason there for us there. Moses made the move. And and, and it demanded his faith. And he he makes the move, he gets all the way to the very edge of the Red Sea. And when he made the move to leave Egypt, that's benign, that's standard grade, that's primary school. Now he's at the edge of the Red Sea. And he looks behind him and he sees the dust of the chariots that are coming and they're about to get killed. What now? He could have said to his mates, he could have said, you know guys, it's been a, a, we gave it a good go. And, and we've come so far, but let's surrender. He could, have, he could have done that. And what happens in that story as he stands at the edge of the Red Sea? Because of what he did a very, very, very long time ago, knowing that God called him to move. God does what Moses can't. And God splits the Red Sea and they walk through it. And I wonder, I wonder if Moses had made his own move. All those years ago, would God have parted the Red Sea? When you make a move and you know it's of God, He will do what you cannot do. God made a move for that. And today, maybe you're stuck between your pain and your potential. Maybe you're stuck between your comfort and your calling. Maybe you're stuck between your frustration and your future. I want to say to you today make a move. Make a move. Step out in faith. God gave Moses authority to move. Jesus gave that man at the pool authority to get up. And the Holy Spirit today is giving you authority in your situation to make a move that only God wants you to make. If you make a move in the name of Jesus, friends, you have authority. There's power and authority when you make a move in the name of Jesus. Call out to the name of Jesus. Trust Him to lead you as you make a move. And my final thought today, why do I have so much confidence, Daryl, when you speak like this? Why do I have confidence? You know why? Because Jesus made the first move to you, Charlotte. He made the first move to you, Mr. Cochran. He made the first move. The difference between Christianity and any other religion in the world, you know what it is? Every other religion says, this is how you must make your move towards God. This is what you must do to make your move towards God. Christianity says this, this is how God came to you. Big difference there, friends. Jesus left heaven, and he made a move towards you first. And Jesus made a move to refuse. Remember, Satan says to Jesus, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Perform and Jesus looks and he says, I am the son of God, but I'm going to make a move to refuse to perform. And then he made a move to choose. Remember, when reminded us last week when he spoke about marriage, Jesus is standing with the cup. He says, Father, not my will, but if it's your will, I will take this cup. We have a Savior who has gone before us, who's made every single move. And his heart is still for you. It doesn't matter, 38 years. I don't know how old you are, 39 years, 40 years. The crippled, the lame, the addicted, the broken, the abused, the empty. He's still searching. He's still making a move towards you today. And he's saying, Do you want to get well? Do you need to make a move to refuse? Do you need to make a move to choose? And I ask you with me, will we all make a move? together to look ahead for our very great reward in jesus name amen